This episode of 100 Not Out proudly brought to you by our 2020 longevity experiences to the Greek island of Ikaria and the Italian island of Sardinia. Come to one or both blue zones with us for an unforgettable bucket list trip of a lifetime. Live with the locals, make the food, eat the food, drink the wine and discover the longevity lifestyle with a select group of like-minded people just like you who will become friends for life. Activities include stunning hikes, cooking classes, essential oil workshops, festivals and dancing, grape stomping and wine, foraging with the locals and so much more. For dates, highlights, videos and all the details and to apply, go to 100notout.com. Group size is limited to 16 and applications processed on a first-in, first-serve basis. TheWellnessCoach.com, streaming wellness into your lives. Welcome to 100 Not Out, featuring your hosts, Dr. Damien Christoph and Marcus Pierce. Hello and welcome to 100 Not Out, a weekly show dedicated to helping you master the art of aging well. Marcus Pierce here with you and I'm without my brother from another mother, the great Dr. Damien Christoph this week because I'm actually in Damos neck of the woods. I'm in Melbourne emceeing the Go Vita annual conference uh, here at the Pullman on the park and it's rather hectic, rather busy in here at the Pullman and a little bit tricky to record with the great man this week and so Damo and I have come up with a great idea. We are going to share our messages from uh, this uh, 2019 Wellness Summit. Um, I'll share Damo's a little bit later in the year. This week, uh, we're going to share my presentation from the Wellness Summit. It was Rise Above the Five Longevity Lies. There are many lies when it comes to aging well and longevity. I shared five of the big ones this year at the Wellness Summit. Uh, If you've never been to a Wellness Summit, highly recommend you get along. Check out thewellnesscouch.com and follow the links through to the Wellness Summit. Um, But the bigger event with 100 Not Out is our 10-day longevity experience. If you love all things aging well longevity, there is nothing like experiencing the island where people forget to die. That is Ikaria, the Greek island where people forget to die. And uh, we're also going to Sardinia in Italy next year. Um, All the details are at 100 Not Out. All right, enjoy this one, folks. We are going to rise above the five longevity lies. Let's get into it. So last year, lastminute.com, Marcus Pierce asked me to introduce him and I introduced him as my best mate. Uh, We do a lot of work together. We travel around the world together. We go to Ikaria together. Um, We we have a lot of fun together. It's one of the things every single week that I love and look forward to doing is recording 100 Not Out. Uh, I get excited about it. I get excited about hearing stories from Marcus. The only thing we've got to do is record Marcus what he says and then replay it at 75% because he speaks so bloody fast. But he's got so much wisdom and so much to share and so much to talk about um, in such a short amount of time, like 100 years, um, that I don't know if we're ever going to learn everything that's inside Marcus's head. But it's because of Marcus that the wellness, and, and Brett, of course, but because of Marcus that the Wellness Summit is as good as what it is because when he took over the production of the Wellness Summit, when we asked him to, his vision was to make it as good as what it is now and better. Who thinks that this has been the best Wellness Summit so far? I do. I do. Hey, Al. Nice to see you, Alistair. So Marcus is an incredible human being. Obviously, he's very generous with his time, generous with his thoughts, generous with his knowledge. And uh, he's generous just in everything that he does. He's kind, he's caring, he's loving, he's a family man. 
Um, he's a businessman and he's just an all-round great guy. I want to welcome to the stage one of my closest and best mates, Marcus Pierce, to share with you today. Oh, thanks, Damo. Brother from another mother. Um, I, I will talk fast, he's right. I am going to talk really quickly. Um, I'm a little bit hoarse. I'm hoarse, aren't I? Like, yep. So I've got chamomile tea. I'm my 20-year school reunion the night before the wellness summit. I kind of, I misinterpreted that when you go to your 20-year school reunion that you're in a pub and it's loud. I, I really, if I'd remembered that, I probably wouldn't have gone, but I, st I was on the back foot as of yesterday. Um, so today, again, hands up, you've got no idea who I am. It's really okay. I'm really cool with it. You've got no idea. That's good because I do share my story like Damo did yesterday. I'll share my story a little bit at the beginning. Hands up if you've never heard me speak before. This is your first time. Great. Thank you. Thanks for your honesty. Great. So I am 38 and I am obsessed with why do some people age well and why do some people age really poorly. Um, I did a lot of personal growth growing up and I was always fascinated why some people would leave an event and they would apply and they were, their lives literally would change on a dial and others would leave the event and it would all just go pear-shaped. And they're spending five, 10, 20 grand on their personal growth and they're doing stuff all with it. And I went down a rabbit hole and I'll share that with you in a moment, but uh, the rabbit hole that I've gone down recently, most recently, um, is this rabbit hole. Four kids. Um, there's a little Spencer. Six weeks, six weeks old on, uh, well, he'll be seven weeks old on Monday. Um, little man, there he is. So this is, this is our four. So I, I took Sarah away for two nights because um, we, uh, we just couldn't get any time with him. Um, people said to me last night at dinner, how's Spencer? I'm like, honestly, I hardly see the boy. It's so hard to get a cuddle with him because I'm always with the others. If anyone here with multiple kids, you can appreciate the challenge. I said, oh, that doesn't sound very nice. I'm like, well, I'm not complaining. Don't get me wrong. I'm not having a whinge fest, but you asked how he is. Honestly, it's hard to know. But here he is. Look at him. Look at him. How beautiful is he? He's the best. I, I got a nap win with him the other day. Um, but here's the thing. You look at Spencer. You look at any child that's born, every single one of you, me. Did, does anyone see a newborn and go, you're going to live a mediocre life? You mediocre human being. You're going to wake up on Monday and have Monday-itis, Monday blues. You're going to hate your job. You're going to not be very fulfilled. 50% chance that you'll get divorced. Um, you could become an ice addict. You really could get in the wrong crowd. This could be really... You're pretty much screwed. Does anyone ever say that? What do we say? What do we say instead? You can be anything. This beautiful human being, potential, unknown, unlimited. We do these beautiful things. We have these moments. Like, look at this moment. Look at little Tommy. When do the beliefs about living start? When do we actually say, hold on a minute, I can actually live my best life? Like, when is it? I tend to think it's, it's actually when we're young. And then I would say we lose it. And then I kind of think that's why personal growth exists, because we're looking to reclaim it. For some of us, the, the potential or the belief that we can reclaim it is so, so many layers below, I'm not good enough, I'm not pretty enough, I'm not strong enough, I'm not big enough. All of those beliefs, where did all of those beliefs come from? I'm a media man, so I'll say a large part of it can be our wonderful friends at the mainstream media, Channel 7, 9, 10, Herald Sun, The Age, 3AW, and all the rest of it. But where do you reckon a lot of it comes from? 
family, upbringing, the people that love us, that when we were born said we could be anything and all the rest of it. And then what happens? Do we say life gets in the way? Like, what happens? How does that all go so pear-shaped? So let's have a look at what maybe we're buying into. What are we buying into? And are you willing to buy out of it and into a new truth? So before we go into the lies, that's just a little family photo. Why do I put that up there? Beliefs. I turned 40 the other week. Who likes the men? No, I didn't turn 40. Sarah turned 40. I turned 38. I'm, what does that make me? Is she a cougar? What am I? I'm a toy boy and she's, she's a cougar. So two years and 11 days, I think it is. We're both Leos. Anyone here like the Merrymaker Sisters? That's a pazuki cake. Pizza and cookie put together. My beautiful family made that. Um, but I'm going to share with you a little bit of a background before we go into these lies. I have not been into health and wellness my whole life. I grew up as my, my late nana. Um, this is beautiful. Look at fat boy Slim here. All right, that was, I was probably 18 or 19 with my dad. Look at the close-up, pimply, pasty, overweight, um, year 12 photo, 1999. Like, I've not been into this for very long. I've probably been into it since 2006, maybe 2005. I met my wife, Sarah, who's a chiropractor. When I met Sarah, I was a sports journo. I love sport. I worked at the footy show. Just before I started working at the footy show, I met Sarah, my wife, who uh, is a chiropractor. She's pretty much retired because how could you see patients when you've got four kids? But she's a um, wellness professional. She studied with Damo and pretty much is, was my introduction to this whole world. When I met Sarah, I was a smoking workaholic, loved my scotch and coke, beer, chicken parma. You know, I grew up on you know, cocoa pops or rice bubbles and a mint slice for morning tea and a stale Vegemite sandwich for lunch and barbecue shapes for afternoon tea and all the rest of it, right? Standard Australian diet. Uh, met Sarah. Um, cut a long story short, we did a lot of personal growth together. I became this raging of all raging vegans. And I went from Marcus Pierce or Piercy to Mung Bean. They, that was my nickname in the footy show office. I went from having a Red Bull for morning tea and a cigarette to ginger tea, like freshly shaved, whatever it is, freshly done on the lemon zester. Hey, Alistair. Uh, freshly um, done ginger tea with raw cashews. It was a very hardcore vegan diet. It went from spaghetti bolognese to lentil bolognese. Um, it was, it, it just became, um, it was big. It was so big that uh, we went to Ireland um, we stopped drinking alcohol in Ireland. Who stopped drinking alcohol in Ireland? We were living in a thatched cottage up there and um, we thought we had it nailed. Health and wellness was all about being vegan and when you were vegan, you were enlightened and those poor people that eat meat are so unenlightened. I wonder if they'll ever be enlightened, but right now we'll just sit on our high horse as Munners so well said yesterday, sit on our high horse and look down on the world who aren't vegan and enlightened. And at the age of 24 or 25, anyone here been 24 or 25 before, you think you know your stuff. You really think you've got it nailed and your parents have got no idea and anyone older than you is old and crusty and you're so beautiful because your genes are just pulsating through you and you're just... So that was us. And then we came home, had kids. It's 2010. I'm reading this book by a man called John Robbins. Who's had Baskin Robbins ice cream before? Come on, admit it. 
Got to give a little shout out to Egmont Honey. I don't know if you guys have ever saw throat before. Chamomile tea, Manuka honey. Um, strong stuff up the back. Hopefully my voice improves as we go along. I'm reading this book by John Robbins, Healthy at 100. Thinking that John Robbins vegan, very well known author in the vegan space, wrote great books, Diet for a New America, Food Revolution. I'm thinking I'm going to read this book and it's going to tell me that to be healthy at 100, you need to be a vegan. So confirmation bias. We want to read books, not necessarily that challenge us, but make us feel good about what we're doing. So I'm going to read this book. It's going to tell me I'm doing everything right. Get to the second page of the introduction and I'm going to tell you what I read on the second page of the, of the introduction at the very end of this talk. Make sure I do, okay? I, got to the sec- I didn't even get to chapter one and everything changed. Everything changed. What I realized was I'd been living a lie. I had been living a major lie and many of us in the room are living a major lie too. When I read this second page of the introduction, I pretty much called Damo and said, I really, I, my whole world changed. I realized my life had to be about teaching people and myself, particularly at that point, how to actually live well and what is the order of living because really a lot of us have got the order, our priorities out of whack. We started the podcast 100 Not Out. We've been going for six years, over 330 episodes. It pretty much has proved us both wrong every episode we've done. Our initial bias has been proved wrong every single time. So the first lie that I'd been telling myself was I must eat well to age well. And this is a really hard thing to say because to age well, you actually want to eat, you actually do want to eat well but you don't want to eat so well that it causes so much stress that you end up having a premature death. And don't take my word for it, okay? I'm a journalist by profession, okay? Don't take my word for it. Take the anecdotal evidence, not the peer-reviewed, double-blind control funded by some big food company research that no one really cares about because you can't be bothered reading the research article. Actually, look at life. I spoke to a great man last night, Perry. Where are you, Perry? Perry said he was on Pritikin for 25 years. If Pritikin was so friggin' good, why does Pritikin get cancer at 69 and commit suicide because, in his own words, it was bad for his image to be the founder of the Pritikin diet and get cancer? Why? Why does the founder or the the man that was the basis for the South Beach diet, why does he get prostate cancer at 66? And that's 17 years before the average male dies. What's going on there? If food was everything, why has he gone at 66? Why is Robert Atkins, fan of the Atkins diet, dead at 72? If, if we are to eat well to age well, shouldn't the people that eat the best live the longest? Like, isn't that the way it should go? Adele Davis, <clears throat> American nutritionist, cancer at 70. This is, this is not made up. This is just what has happened in people's lives. So as a journalist, I go, well, maybe it's something else. Like, maybe there's other things. Maybe it's not just about the food. I don't know about you guys, but they're my childhood photos from my mum that she sends through. Icy Piles, uh, Ferguson Plair, uh, birthday cake, uh, that chocolate box, Easter eggs. My dad still sends me one. I live up in Byron Bay now. My dad still sends me one from Muralbach. Like literally a chocolate box Easter egg in a box. So why aren't we dead if we're all eating the standard Australian diet? There is something. There is something else beyond our nutrition. Don't get me wrong. Nutrition is so good for your quality of life. You want to wake up and have a buzz. You want to wake up and be present with people. You want to wake up with good energy. You want to actually reduce um, inflammation. You want to improve your immunity. You want to actually be able to just go out and like have a buzz of energy. 
eat great food, but don't think that it's the panacea or the solution to reaching 100 years of age. It is not. We will show you what is in a moment. All right, if it was, how does Israel Crystal, who, who was the world's oldest man when he died and is the oldest Holocaust survivor, his life purpose, his business, was a lolly shop, a confectioner. The only reason why he stayed alive um, in Auschwitz was because he made lollies for the SS. So thank God he made lollies for a living. He wasn't a nutritionist. He wasn't gluten-free, paleo, raw, vegan. He was on a hardcore diet of lollies. And he was the world's oldest man. Dexter Kruger, Australia's oldest man. We've interviewed him on 100 Not Out. Shocking diet. Terrible diet. Three coffees a day, Nescafe, blend, friggin'. Coffee and cake for morning tea, afternoon tea. He has a coffee at midnight. It's off the charts. It's ridiculous. <coughs> Ruth Frith. Ruth Frith, we've interviewed her on 100 Not Out. She's no longer with us. Died at age 104. She started athletics at age 74. Watch this video from Ruth. Here's Ruth, when she won World Masters Athletics gold medals at age 101, and the ABC interviews her, and they want to know what's her secret. Ruth Frith, thank you for joining us this morning. A golden day yesterday. Congratulations. How did you celebrate last night? I just went out and flopped into bed. <laughs> was it an exhausting day for you? Well, it was a long day. Can you tell me about your training regimen? What do you do to keep um, your muscle strength up and your flexibility? Well, I'll, I'll start with Monday. Monday I do weights, which is uh, I do the push-ups and ride the bike and do stretching. Tuesday I do it again. Wednesday I do practical training on the field. Thursday I do the same again. And Friday I do weights again. Right, and so do you think that that, that um, you have an advantage over other people your same age because of that muscle strength? Well, when I'm with them, I, I find out they don't, don't do anything. They don't even train a lot of them. <laughs> yeah. And so you sort of um, would recommend to other people who are in, you know, in their 80s and 90s perhaps to do a bit of muscle strength training? Yeah, even if you only did three days a week. But you must, you must, you can't expect you to keep going forever doing what you did when you, I, I started when I was 74. So what I did in 74, you can't do when you're 84. Yeah, you're slowing down gradually. Yeah. So your secret isn't about cardio training. It's not about going for long walks or runs. It's and it's not diet, because I don't eat vegetables. <laughs> so it isn't got anything to do with a diet. Now, yeah, round of applause for Ruth, folks, eh? So look, I'm not being brash about this. All right, you look at Cindy O'Meara, who is the first lady of nutrition, but she's not just the first lady of nutrition. Cindy's like the first lady of life. She's in the local paper this week because she's been swimming in the beach every morning with friends, seeing the sunrise and swimming in the ocean. She has a great social peer group. She has a great family life. She loves her work. She doesn't put all of her eggs in the nutrition basket. She puts all of her eggs across all of the areas of her life. So don't put Cindy up on a pedestal as the goddess of nutrition. She's really the goddess of life. When you come to nutrition, and Cindy masters this as well, I'll tell you a story in a moment, it's not what I eat. This is the truth that I want you to, well, if you can tell yourself this, I just would love it. It's not what I eat, but it's how I eat, and it's who I eat it with. It's not what I eat, it's how I eat, and who I eat it with. We had a VIP dinner last night, 
gluten-free, dairy-free and all the rest of it. But the bread was glutinous and there was dairy. But it did feel like a bit of a gluten fest. I was thinking we'd have lots of Greek salads and there'd be lots of skewers and all the rest of it. And there was that, but I didn't see the Greek salads. And I was, I was sad as the kind of semi-organizer for it. I was a little bit devo that it wasn't Icaria. Who's been to Icaria with us here? There's a few of you in the room. It wasn't like Greek. It wasn't. Anyway, but I said at the end of the night, this night's really about who we're eating the food with. It's not just about what we're eating. I was a little bit fixed on what we were eating, but it was who we were eating it with and how we were eating it. We were all standing up, we were um, having a drink, we were eating food, and we were socializing with people. That's how we were eating. And I think the memories of the night will be more who we were eating it with than what we were eating. If that makes sense? So I'd really like you to encourage yourselves to live that truth. Lie number two, family comes first. Who says family comes first? Come on, it's okay. Right? Family doesn't come first. I'll show you why. If family came first, Alice heard Sommer, who was the oldest female survivor of the Holocaust. Her husband died in the Holocaust. Her son survived. All of her sisters died. Eddie Jaku lost pretty much every single family member except his sister in the Holocaust. If family comes first, then why don't you die when your family dies? Victor Hugo, who's seen Les Mis? You're going to be in the theatre, seen in the movies. Best, I love the Hollywood movie. Victor Hugo, who wrote Les Mis, he buried four children. It's a sad, sad story. He buried four children and his fifth child lived, uh, she was schizophrenic in a mental institute. If family came first, how did he outstrip life expectancy by over double? Because he had a purpose, a genuine purpose. His family wasn't going to save him. Your family are not going to save you. Only you are going to save you. You're going to live a long time. You've got to own you. You know when family's good? When there's a stress, when there's a crisis. Your child's sick, you're going to leave work. Family comes first under stress and crises. But don't try and give pain and guilt yourself because you're constantly trying to help family when it's not urgent, but you're only doing it to give yourself a self-esteem booster because you think you should. Or so you can say, look how much I've done for you. But they never asked for it. We've got to be really mindful of how we're playing the family game. Give because you want to give. Don't give because you think you should give. Give because you want to give. You genuinely want to give. There's consequences. Harvard did a study. 125 people. I want you all to write this down. Okay, I'm not going to do this because it's too deep and meaningful. We'll all start crying. 125 people. Rate your relationship with your parents. Just write it down. Your mum and your dad. Were you very close with your mum and uh, tolerant with your dad? Was it strained and cold with your dad and warm and friendly with your mum? Was it strained and cold with your mum and strained and cold with your dad? I don't want you to think about it too long. I'll put it up again. It's okay. It's coming. All right. I just want you to write it down. Is it warm and friendly? Is it very close? Don't do it a combo score. It was warm and friendly with my dad, but it was strained and cold with my mum. I want you to just write it down. Okay. This is the stuff that I do for a couple of hours at the Wellness Breakthrough, and that's tear fest, not fest, friggin' crazy fest. It gets ugly, doesn't it, Debbie? <laughs> but in this room with 600 people, I wouldn't do it to you. Because I'm a bit of a sucker for deeper meaningfuls. I do it to my family. Whenever I give my family a present, I write soppy words in the card for my dad so he cries. Because we just don't get that stuff enough. We only get it mainly a bit through Hollywood. You want to tell the people in your family that you love them. Do the stuff that gets them emotional. Make them videos and get them going. But this will get you going. I'm sure it will. Because Harvard then had a look at the answers to those questions 35 years later. 35 years later, 91% of the people who had a tolerant or strained and cold relationship with their mum had suffered a serious medical crisis. So your family relationships 
definitely, definitely, four trillion percent impacts your physical health. I don't care what you eat. I would rather you forgive your parents and go gluten-free. Honest to goodness. Get your priorities in order. If you're going to tell me that going gluten-free is going to make it easier to forgive your parents, I'm going to kick you up the backside so friggin' hard. Don't give me this excuse that you need to go on a protocol to become more loving. I did that with veganism and I just became an evangelist. It doesn't work. Promise. Promise. Don't hide behind your diet. Do not hide behind your diet as a way that they don't understand me. You know, my mom, she just wants to feed me gluten all the time. You know what? Work on your communication. Work on your communication. She ain't changing. It's not your mum's fault. She ain't changing. You want things to change? You're the one that's got to change. No one else is changing. My dad just had his, he's either got prostate cancer or an enlarged prostate. You know, it's very hard to get the truth out of some men sometimes. I'm like, Dad, what is it? He's like, oh, well, they're putting a needle down the eye of my penis at the moment. I'm like, Dad, it's too much information. I called him the next day on the way here on Thursday. I said, Knackers, how are you, mate? You going all right? Well, it's still up the eye of the penis. I'm like, Dad! My sisters are calling me going, he keeps on talking about the eye of the penis. <laughs> We're all there going, this is just so wrong. We just want to know, mate, how you going? Not, What's up your body? He ain't changing. He's just always going to be that awkward kind of guy. My mum and dad have been separated. Auntie Kate, my mum's sister, you'll love this story. So my sisters and my mum just came up to meet Spencer and kind of wish me happy birthday, but come and meet Spencer. And my dad and his wife, Brenda, were up on the Gold Coast for a funeral. And then it just so happened that my dad and Brenda were leaving the airport, Gold Coast airport, like 45 minutes before my mum and my sisters on Sunday. Now, my daddy's just awkward and he's a great guy. He's my best mate, so I can say this, right? And, and, and he saw my sisters and my mum and he actually kind of really awkwardly got out of the line to come and give my mum a kiss. They've been separated for like 20 years. His wife's just there, and my sister's in like, Dad, get on the plane. Like, get on the plane. But he's not changing. Your parents are not changing. Your sisters aren't changing. Your siblings aren't changing. They're just not changing. If you don't deal with it, this is going to happen. I promise you. Because, well, I promise you. It's not going to happen. I don't promise you. Research suggests that it may happen. These people have twice the risk of a medical crisis than those who are very close or warm and friendly with their mum. 45% of these respondents had a serious medical issue. 82% of the people who had a tolerant or strained and cold relationship with their dad had suffered a serious medical crisis by their mid-50s. Now, you can do this in your friendship group. Write them down. Have they had a medical crisis? Cancer, some type of alcoholism, abuse, whatever it is. Medical crisis is a broad term. One thing it goes, relationship with your mum has more of a physical impact, more influential than relationship with your dad by about 10%. 100%, 100% of the people who had a tolerant or strained and cold relationship with both parents had suffered a serious medical crisis by their mid-50s. I don't care what you're eating. I don't care what exercise you're doing. Forgive your family. They ain't changing. Love them for who they are, not what they do. That will be the hardest thing you'll ever do. It's the hardest thing in personal growth is forgiveness. Because as soon as you forgive your mum for the way that she treated you, she'll call you the next day and call you a two-faced cow and you're a bitch and you're like, jeez, I've got to do this all over again. <clears throat> That's forgiveness for you. It's, there's no end. It doesn't end. So, there's a couple of anecdotes. Steve Jobs, not here to live his legacy. Shocking family relationships. Toxic. 
Kerry Packer, always wanted to be like his dad, could never please his dad, never, no matter how much money. Then you could say, can you forgive the most unforgivable? I'm not going to do this now. We'll have a big Barney over it. It's a great dinner party conversation. Hitler, Malat, Trump, Hussein, St. John of God. Anyone here heard of St. John of God? Friggin' rort of the rort of the rort. There are so many, so many shysters in this industry. That's why we feel so bonded to you guys. There's a lot of two-faced people trying to take your money and pretend that they can heal you and there is nothing that they are doing except letting you down the garden path. Raped his daughter, come into my room for some healing, some healing, sexually assaulted hundreds of people over numbers of years and will spend the rest of his life in jail. Can you forgive it? Can you forgive it? The truth really is love your family. Choose your peer group, choose your peer group, Love your family because they aren't going anywhere. You want to go to Christmas Day and enjoy it. Love your family. Choose your peer group. Family comes first in emergencies. All right. Who here thinks it's normal to retire? Good. If anyone does, retirement hasn't been around for very long at all. Tell me about the retirements of these guys. Rose Kennedy. She was a matriarch of the Kennedy clan. She lived to 104. She did not retire. Florence Nightingale, the founder of modern nursing, lived to 90. Can guarantee she did not retire. Anyone know Wang Daishun, China's hottest grandpa? You'll learn about him. These guys aren't retiring. If you aren't sure, if you're retiring because you don't like your job anymore and you don't know where your purpose lies, I encourage you to spend a lot of time thinking what lights me up. I'll give you a couple of examples here. Cindy, you know know why Cindy feels so strongly about what she talks about? Go and have a cup of tea with her and ask her about her family history. Half of her family died because of glyphosate. Half of them. She's got a spiritual fuel that will never die. So she ain't retiring. A spiritual fuel that will never die that was born out of a crisis or a tragedy. You have all experienced a crisis or a tragedy. And it is not a bad thing. It is not bad that it happened. For many of us, it is the seed of our true life purpose. The seed of our true life purpose often lives in crisis or tragedy. Eddie Jaku, I shared earlier, he's the world's happiest man. There's a documentary on him called The World's Happiest Man. He lost his family in the Holocaust. Cindy from a crisis. Damo told you about his upbringing yesterday. Damo's, Damo's passion, I swear to God, comes from his childhood. The way that he is as a man... I'm telling you, if you've heard enough about David Manifels on the podcast, it comes out of the challenges, the tragedies and the crises that he experienced growing up. Helen Keller, deaf and dumb. We love her because she experienced crisis and tragedy. Kim Morrison, major financial crisis, suicide in the family, business crises. Churia Pitt, burnt 85% of her body. The woman just had a baby about 12 months ago. Everything, crisis, tragedy. Um, Malali Yousafzai, Swat Valley, Pakistan, boom, shot in the head on the way to school. Champion for female education. Crisis, tragedy. You'd hardly know who she was if there was not a crisis or a tragedy. So you're looking for purpose? I'm happy for you to retire from your day job, but don't retire from your life. You must find where your purpose lies. There's really seven seeds to where your life purpose is, but the big one is crisis or tragedy. Maldella. We interviewed her on the new podcast the other day. It's, just, it's called The Wellness Breakthrough. We interview people, everyday heroes, that we know uh, and we've done big work with that have 
gone through transformation. Maldela's son, Byron, had um, leukemia, leukemia? Leukemia. And uh, listen to the podcast because we had this big thing at the Wellness Summit a few years ago. It was like the biggest tearjerker of all time. Um, and Mel's here again today. Thanks so much for coming, Mel. So a lot of your purpose comes out of crisis and tragedy. Don't hate on it. Just work through it. But retire from work, never retire from life. Have a look at the dance floor here. This is in Ikaria, where Damo and I do our 100 Not Out Longevity experience. Turn the music down a bit, Kenton, because this is embarrassing. Turn the music down. Have a look at the age. Music down, music down. Music down. Have a look at the age of the people on the dance floor. Look how old they are. Can you see how old they are? They have purpose. Look at them. Look at the guy there. Don't look at my dancing. Look at the lady, she's clapping. Can you see? How old do you reckon they are? Like, if you have that belief, I'm too old to dance, don't retire from life. Retire from work, but don't retire from life. Do crazy stuff. Engage, travel around the world, be a grey nomad, get a caravan. Jenny Andrews, you rock, well done. Do the stuff that scares living daylights out of you. Don't slow, don't slow down and go, oh, I can't do that anymore. I'm a bit too old to do that. If you ever say, oh, I'm too old to do it, lucky I'm not in earshot. You're not too old to do anything. Not too old to do anything. <clears throat> Anyone here too old to exercise? So Sister Madonna Buddha started running when she was 48. Watch this. Madonna Buter, an 86-year-old nun. Oh, sorry, sister. Sister Madonna Buter, 86 years old, goes for a morning run. Good for you, sister. She's still active at her age. That's great. Whoa, maybe a little too active. Nap time, sister? I don't think so. The sister doesn't think so. Okay. Wait, what? Iron Man. Oh, no, 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 no. This is a bad idea, sister. A real bad idea. Somebody Relax, she's the Iron Nun. But she won't make it. This is an Iron Man. The first 45 didn't kill me. You've done 45 of these? Okay. Do your thing, sister. Do your thing. Excuses, right? We've interviewed um, the Iron Nun, the good sister. Um, on 100 Not Out. So if you want to hear that, go and listen to us chat with Madonna Buddha before and after she did Ironman Triathlon. She's still going strong. Nike is sponsoring her. How good is that? But it's not just about exercise. Because you're never too old to exercise because if you ever listen to Professor Michael Woodward on episode 42 of 100 Not Out, have a listen to him. Here we go. We know that we can probably present 42% of all dementia if everybody in society was sufficiently physically active. That's wow. a pretty powerful intervention. That's a big intervention. 42%. If you're not physically active, sufficiently physically active, and by that, 30 minutes a day, but it doesn't have to be exercise, it can be movement, just getting movement, going for a walk and talking on the phone, listening to a podcast. Move, move, move. 42% of dementia wouldn't be here if people were moving their bodies. 42% of it. Do you know how much of a drain nurses in the room? Do you know how much of a drain dementia is on the healthcare system or the sick care system? It is the biggest drain of all the chronic diseases. The biggest drain. We can just wipe half, we can take half of that drain away if we all just moved 30 minutes a day. You're never too old to exercise and you do have the time, I promise you. You've got time to exercise. If you don't have time to exercise, you've definitely got time for dementia because it's like 11 years of the crazy stuff. 11 years, you'll have plenty of time to say, I just wish 
I move for half an hour a day. So please, I am definitely wanting to scare the living daylights out of you with this. Don't, it takes 20 to 50 years for dementia to develop within the body. So you could be 30 right now and go, I don't have time to exercise. You are sowing the seeds for a wonderful diagnosis when you're 65. Who wants that? Your whole life falls apart. Your whole family falls apart. Your whole financials fall apart. Everything falls apart. We can also reduce, reduce our risk of dementia if we keep our brain active and keep socially engaged. So, you're looking for a peer group? They're right here. You want to prevent dementia? It's right in here. Get people's phone numbers, not just Facebook profiles. Get their phone numbers. Catch up. Uh, Alison here was saying that she goes to farmers markets and catch up with people that she met at the wellness breakthrough. Do it the old-fashioned way. We are so old-fashioned, we say it every year. We're not cool, we're not Insta-famous, we don't have boobs out and six-packs. We're old-fashioned. We want your phone numbers, we want to catch up with you in real life, we want to do things the way they've been done time immemorial. we don't want to jump on the latest trend, which is social media, and go, you know what, don't have time to see you, but I can, I'll messenger you. No, you don't get the hormone hit that's going to actually keep you aging well. More than anything, you get the artificial light hit, you get the EMF hit, the Wi-Fi hit, the social disentanglement hit, your social muscles atrophy, you can't say hi to strangers anymore, you think everyone's a murderer because we've been watching too much Netflix, we don't have any faith in humanity because our social muscle is so friggin' weak, we feel isolated, we've got no peer group, and then we wonder why we get friggin' brain disease and dementia. Because many new people challenges your brain, it stimulates your brain, it keeps the muscle active. I'm not a scientist, but this just makes sense, doesn't it? It just makes sense. We've got to go back to basics. He doesn't even have to think about this stuff. This is Yanni in Ikaria. So when we've got our longevity retreat, I don't have my laser here, but see the houses just down by the water? This is a little village called Nas. This is where our longevity experience is. We're off there in, I don't want to give you jealousies, but we're off there in two weeks as of Monday, Damo. <laughs> uh, I'm so excited, sorry. It's a bit of therapy because... I'm so overwhelmed at home at the moment. I'm actually really excited <laughs> to go away. Um, don't tell my family that, but I'm so excited. And we take over this little village. I really want the pointer, but see the houses there? That's our little village of Nas. You've got the beach there. This is Yanni's view every day. And if he wants to go down and say hello to his niece, Thea, who is our host, He's got to walk down these steps all the way down to the road. Can you see where he's got to walk? He's in his 80s. He might be in his early 90s. And he's moving. And his wife, Joanna, does the same thing. There's no OH&S. There's no rails that he can hold on to. He's got to just keep strong muscles and balance. He doesn't call it exercise. He calls it movement. I highly recommend that you replace your vocabulary. You don't need to exercise. You just need to move. So I guarantee you, you'll be so much more likely to go for a walk with a friend around the park or the lake and have a chat rather than talk on the phone or not go. But you won't want to definitely go and exercise with them. You may if you love exercising, but going for a walk is going to be so much better for body, mind and soul than talking on the phone or over messenger. All right, so truth number four, it's never too late to start moving and it is always too early or too soon to stop. That's from Wally Boards. I'm not going to play this audio oh, clip Father. because... He was like episode 5 or 6 of 100 Not Out. You won't get it on iTunes anymore because they, they cut them up after 300, but you'll get it on thewellnesscouch.com on the website. All right, this is Wang Day Sean. I'm really tempted to play.
，我是王德顺，地地道道的沈阳人。一场 T 台走秀，让很多人认识了我。有人叫我最帅大爷，也有人说我一夜爆红。<笑>可是你知道吗？为了这一天，我足足准备了六十年。二十四岁。我当话剧演员，四十四岁开始学英语，四十九岁创造了造型哑剧，到北京成了一名老北漂，没房没车，一切从头开始。五十岁，我进了健身房，开始健身。五十七岁，我再次走上了舞台。创造了世界唯一的艺术形式，它叫活雕塑。七十岁，我开始有意识的练腹肌。七十九岁，我走上了 T 台。我今年八十岁，还有梦，还有追求。相信我，人的潜能是可以挖掘。当你说太晚了的时候。你一定要谨慎，它可能是你退却的借口。没有谁能阻止你成功，除了你自己。该炫自己的时候，千万不要对自己说冷。我是王德顺，我是最炫东北人。Pretty cool, eh? Now, so. I want you to recognise that there's this there's this inner urge amongst people in every culture. Doesn't matter where you're from. All right. Now, I'd love to interview、uh, China's oldest grandpa, but I reckon Damo and I might struggle a bit with the Chinese. I don't know if he speaks English, but he does. Oh, did he just speak English? Oh, he learned English. Sorry. Don't mind me. I have watched that about four times. <laughs> anyway, anyway,、um, this urge to make the rest of our life the best of our life lives within every single one of us. No matter how low you get, no matter how low you get, you have an inner urge to make things better. Even when you're giving yourself the victim language of "I'm not good enough" and "I'm not this," "I'm not that," you know what that's doing? That is your ego testing you out. To see how much you're really willing to make the best of your life. So if you get nervous before you come on stage, that's a wonderful thing. It shows that it means something to you, that it's important to you. If you're down in the dumps and you're really down, it's going. Well, do you really care enough to make it up? You'll hear Bar- you'll hear Bali bomb survivor Karen Smith talk today. Karen Smith got blown up in the Bali bombings. She was down in the dumps. Five, six, seven years. She'll give you the exact numbers in the talk. But then she was like, "You know what? If I'm alive and I've survived, I must be pretty bloody strong. And if I'm still here, then surely there must still be a purpose for my life to be here. If I'm not dead, and my best friends are dead, but I'm not dead. And so for every single one of you here that are going through the toughest time, you're here. So there's a purpose for you here, and it's not to be." Down in the dumps, you can put that in the past and say, "You know what? That time has served me. It's taken me low, but I don't want to live here anymore. I'm going to a new place. 
But don't try and get to like heaven and nirvana in 30 seconds by meditating and writing in your gratitude journal because that doesn't really do it. It's a hard slog to make the rest of your life the best of your life. No one up here has hacked their way to longevity. Can you get that? No one is hacking their way to it. They are doing the hard work. You have to have the hard conversations. And if you're a female and you're saying it to a man, you have to have that conversation many times. Because <laughs> we're not very good listeners. You have to repeat yourself over and over and over again. It's painful, isn't it? So I want you to be patient when you go around about living your life. You're going to live a long time. I, we, we just want you to have quality in your quantity of life. I've said this before, we are fourth on the ladder for longevity. But quality of life, we nosedive down to 15th on the ladder. We have on average 11 pathetic, disgusting, sucky years to end our life. We average 73 good years. And then 11 years of hospitalisation, sitting in a room, socially isolated, all of our money going into some nursing home which we don't really care for. Everything falls apart for so many people over the course of 11 years. That is a disgusting slow death. Anyone know people that have died that way? You had parents? And they're like, look around the room. You know it. I'm not making this stuff up. Don't think that it doesn't happen to us. For us, if anything, the risks are worse. The risks are more. The risks are harder. But it doesn't mean it's a game not worth playing. John Robbins, second page of the introduction. Yale School of Public Health did a research study on 600 people, asked them, as you age, you become less useful, agree or disagree? As you age, you become more of a burden on your society, agree or disagree? As you age, you become more of a burden on your family, agree or disagree? The people that agree that as you age, you become more of a burden on your family, as you age, you become more of a burden on society, as you age, your best years are behind you, as you age, you realise it's all downhill from here, the people that had those disempowering views of their future died seven and a half years earlier than those who had an empowering view of their age, those who had an empowering view of their future. Now, if you're here right now in your 20s and you're scared of turning 30, you've got a lot of work to do. You've got a lot of work to do. If you're here in your 30s and your 40s seems like the dreaded of the death of your youth, you have a lot of work to do. If you're in your 40s and you can't stand the idea of 50, you have a truckload of work to do. And if you're in your 50s and you're really worried about turning 60, I'm telling you, you're only halfway through. You could potentially be only halfway through your life. If you're over the age of 60, just know that there are so many years left in your life. Don't think you've done all of the hard work. The hard work for many of us actually starts at that time because you recognise that your mortality is staring you in the face and you don't want to die like your best friend from school or your sister or your brother, or your cousins. The hard work starts now, folks. But make it fun hard work. Revel. Revel in the mess. Revel in building the muscle. Dude, this is, this is, I love this photo. This was at our wellness breakthrough this year. And I'm not going to do, I'm not, I'm not relaying anything that we do as war, okay? But these four tenets, courage, endurance, mateship, and sacrifice, are the tenants that are on the 1,000 steps in the, in the, at the Kokoda track, 1,000 steps in the Dandenong Ranges, which is a practice drill for the Kokoda track. So we didn't tell them, but we all got up early in the morning and we went on buses and cars and we went and did the 
Kokoda truck. We may have done it more than once. And we needed to have courage. We had to help ourselves and we had to help others. We needed endurance. All of us need endurance for our lives. We, mateship, peer group, support was probably the biggest thing. Would you guys agree? That was the biggest thing. The endurance comes really when you've got people around you. I can do this. I've got people around me that believe in me. If you have no one around you that believes in you, your endurance is gone. You've got people that believe in you, your endurance will linger. It will always be there. You'll find it. And sacrifice, when you have a great peer group, you just almost want to sacrifice. You've got family. You actually just want people that you love. You just want to help them. You know that feeling? You just want to help them. I'm not going to say the sacrifice of war. I've got no concept why that's like. But sacrifice in, in daily life can be a wonderful thing. A wonderful thing. So, will your truth be the rest of my life or be the best of my life? Will that be your truth? There's the lies. There's the truths. You can take a photo of it. We'll, we'll, I'll send you these slides after the summit. But I want you over the course of today to consider... What lies are you telling yourselves? And what truths are you telling yourselves? If, you're, if you honestly live by those five truths, give yourself a five out of five, right? But if you're not living by those five truths, you might be a three out of five, a two out of five, a one out of five. Here's my deal. I've gone scratch the surface. I said this yesterday. I'm not going to say you on the breakthrough now. I'm just going to tell you about it. We'll do the invitations before lunch today. But if you're a zero out of five or a one or a two or a three, and you know you really need to do a lot of work, I'd love to, like, honestly, rip the spiritual band-aid off with you at the Wellness Breakthrough in support to do the deep and meaningfuls, but with our arms around your shoulders. I'd love to do it. I'm not going to say that you have to do it. You might have other ways you want to do it. I'm not a, what, what is it? I'm not, I can't do Reiki. I'm not a guru. And what's the person that you go into the jungle with and have ayahuasca with? I can't do that. We can't have any ayahuasca. I can't do any of that. But I can sit down, call you on your shit, have really good chats. There'll be tears. There'll be snot. I might be in the bus as we're driving somewhere. But I promise you, if you don't live by these truths, the consequences are dire. They're brutal. I don't want it for anyone. I would love for you all to be living this five out of five truth. Thanks for listening. May the rest of your life be the best of your life. I love you all. Thanks for coming. This has been a production of TheWellnessCouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on Facebook.com forward slash TheWellnessCouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst The Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of The Wellness Couch podcasts.